This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Coming up, are you recycling everything you could be recycling? You might be surprised by what they're keeping out of the landfill these days, and you can help. But first, here's the latest consumer news from the past week. One of the reasons a lot of people say they're hesitant to buy an electric car is because they're worried that if they go on a long trip, they won't be able to find any stations that will charge up their cars and they'll be stranded. But it looks like the big car makers are now doing something about those concerns. General Motors, BMW, Honda, Hyundai, Kia, Mercedes, and Stellantis are teaming up to build an electric vehicle charging network that would connect most of North America and would rival Tesla's network. The seven major automakers say they plan to nearly double the number of fast-charging plugs in Canada and the U.S. It's a bold move, but the carmakers want to speed up the process of drivers making that jump to electric. There are currently just under 8,700 direct current fast-charging stations in the U.S. and Canada with nearly 36,000 charging plugs. We're seeing a lot more of those battery-powered bicycles on the streets. You might even have one. On Thursday, the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission held a public hearing uh, in response to calls for it to better regulate the use of lithium-ion batteries. That's because of fatal fires caused by these batteries exploding. New York City is already implementing several new laws, including one that requires all e-bicycles and batteries to be certified as safe by an independent testing company. The use of e-bikes has really grown in New York and everywhere else in the past few years. There have been 100 e-bike battery fires in New York already this year. 13 people have died, and that's up from six deaths in all of last year in New York. A new report has given a failing grade to WestJet and Air Canada when it comes to their flights being on time. In fact, the aviation firm Sirium says only half of Air Canada's flights and 36% of WestJet flights were on time in the final two weeks of June and the first two weeks of July. And that's considerably worse than the five biggest airlines in the United States. A McGill University expert says the delays are the result of airlines running their planes too hard and leaving too little time for maintenance. A Canadian study is revealing just how stressful it is for children and teenagers who grow up in homes where parents struggle to put food on the table. Researchers found that kids under 18 in food-insecure homes made 55% more visits to doctors for mental health reasons than those who had enough to eat. One expert says doctors should be advocating for basic incomes for their patients, just as they have been pushing for solutions to emergency rooms that are filled with people who just don't have a family doctor. And Christmas is just under five months away, and I'm sure it's the last thing on your mind, but still... The PNE this week announced its plans for the upcoming holiday season. The PNE says its winter celebration will include a walk-through light display, ice skating, ice bumper cars, local performing groups, holiday-themed food and beverages, and a seasonal marketplace. The event will also include two nightly performances of the Nutcracker on Ice 
at the Coliseum. The festival opens on December 8th, goes until the 23rd, with tickets available online or on site. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And when we come back, everything you wanted to know about recycling your old appliances, but were afraid to ask. That's next. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. And you know, the appliances that we use every day don't last forever. But the impact that they have on the environment can. But we can change that. And sometimes it's items that you might not even know are recyclable. It's never been easier to recycle our major appliances. And that's thanks to MAR. That stands for the Major Appliance Recycling Roundtable. And uh, largeapplianterecycling.ca is the website that they've set up. And it's a great resource, and it's run by MAR. That website is largeapplianterecycling.ca. And from the Major Recycling Roundtable, it's the Executive Director, Michael Zarbel. Good to talk to you again, Michael. Hey, Martin. Thanks for having me on, and uh, nice talking to you as well. Yeah, so uh, we're talking about uh, large appliances, and I'm looking at the on on the website uh, when you go to the Mar website, it shows the board and who is, comprises the directors. It's people from the Home Depot, from Best Buy, from Samsung, Whirlpool, Hudson's Bay. So you have all of the major appliance uh, sellers and cr- makers kind of covered by this, don't you? That's correct. Yeah, well, they you know the Recycling regulation in BC obligates the uh, you know the producers and the sellers of the large appliances to manage a recycling program and to have a plan. So what Mar does is we represent their interests. So they they oversee Mar uh, as our board of directors, and it's my responsibility as the executive director to make sure that the, all of their obligations are met uh, with respect to the recycling regulation and making sure that all of the appliances are recycled in an environmentally responsible manner. And we, you know, so that way each producer doesn't have to have their own recycling plan or their own recycling program. They get together and uh, they got together and they formed MAR back in 2012. And uh, we manage it for them. Uh, And it makes it everything a lot more efficient as well and keeps prices down for the consumer. Yeah, sounds very efficient. And the website for people uh, who maybe have a fridge that they're getting rid of or something is largeapplianterecycling.ca. And uh, before we get into, you know, how easy it is, the locations and stuff, Mm -hmm. just as a general thing, if someone has a major appliance and they're, maybe I'll just throw it away, why is it so important that these major appliances are recycled? It's really important for for a number of reasons. First of all, the older refrigerators, like I'm talking ones built in the, you know, prior to 1980, have uh, ozone-depleting substances in them. They have, like, refrigerant gases uh, that are harmful for the ozone layer, and those were all banned in the 1980s. Uh, You know, the world got together in Montreal. It was called the Montreal Protocol, and they banned all those uh, substances. You may have remembered back then, I, I was a kid, and I remember them banning... Uh, hairspray and all that kind of right. like the hairsprays were even using it and, and paint spray cans all had that those uh, those uh, gases in them as well and they banned them all and they banned them in large appliances as well and they stopped using them they're using much more safer refrigerant gases today but 
it's really important in the older appliances that uh, you know those refrigerant gases be collected and uh, disposed of properly. And some of the old appliances even have like mercury switches in them and, and things like that. And you know we don't want those harmful chemicals getting into our our environment into the water. And so we make sure that all those things are removed prior to them being recycled. And then the second thing, Martin, is that, you know, they can be recycled. Like large appliances are made up predominantly of metal and we want that metal. Like metal is a, is a commodity that can be sold and traded. And so we take the large appliances and they go to metal recyclers who then uh, recycle all the copper and the aluminum and the steel and it all gets uh resold and turned back into new appliances or other metal products. So it's a, a, you know, we talk a lot these days about a circular environment and we want to reuse the products and recycle them and make new products out of the old products. And there's nothing better than uh, metal when it comes to that, uh, as far as recyclability goes. So it's a, it's a really a good story all around. Yeah. It's kind of a win-win and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure if you know the numbers on this, but what is the percentage of major appliances that can be recycled that do get recycled and what percentage, you know, sadly go to the landfill? So, well, the, the, the nice thing about the landfill is most, a lot of our collection sites are landfill sites, but they don't bury it in the landfill. Like even if you show up at, uh, at a landfill with a large appliance, they'll direct you over to the metal recycling pile. And they won't let you dump it in the landfill. So you'll drop it there. And then someone from Mar will come along and, and remove the gas and, and mercury switches and things like that. And then it gets recycled with all the other scrap metal. So, you know, that's why sometimes you'll go to a, a local collection site, a landfill or a transfer station, and you'll see like appliances mixed in there with the seal. It's not a bad thing. It actually means we've already treated it. We've removed what has to be removed. And then the rest of it goes and gets recycled. So, in BC, very, very little um, large appliances actually get uh, get lost, if you will. Like we we do um, we part we participate in uh, waste audits with uh, uh, we're we're involved with other stewardship agencies in BC, like the ones who do electronics and small appliances and paper and bottles and all that stuff. And we do waste audits, and and you know when we do a waste audit for large uh, large appliances, never come up. Like, you know, we, because they're so large, you can't just throw them in the garbage, right? And right, if, you do right. show up at, at a, if you do show up at a landfill or something, they'll make you put it in the metal pile. So we actually have, you know, we, we participate in these waste audits, but we never, our stuff never really ends up in the, in the, uh, in the landfill. The, you know, there are some smaller items. I, would ne- I wouldn't say 100% never, like we've never had any come up, but you know, we also cover things like garburators, like those those garburators under your sink, which a lot of people don't really use anymore these days. But right. we're part of the MAR program, too. So theoretically, someone could throw a garburator in the garbage. But, you know, so far, we haven't seen any large appliances end up in in, in our waste audits. So they're not getting mixed in with the, the waste. Um, you know, people, people do a number of things with large appliances, Martin. They either... They either give them to somebody, like if they're still working and someone just wanted a new fridge or a more modern one, a lot of times they'll, they'll give them to a relative or to a friend or they'll, they'll even sell them on Craigslist or whatever. And we don't discourage that. If the thing's still working, keep using it, you know. And, and uh, even Habitat for Humanity and places like that take, take donations as well. Um, we really want them when they're not working anymore. When you can't use them anymore and they, can't, they don't work, then 
that's the appropriate time to bring them to 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 Mar to one of our collection sites so that we can recycle it. Right. And that website is largeappliancerecycling.ca if you need information about locations, uh, where to go. And we're talking to the executive director of MAR, which is the Major Appliance Recycling Roundtable, Michael Zarbel. And Michael, you were mentioning how it's kind of a win-win situation because this is metal and there's other uh, you know, pieces that are valuable. I mean, it can be reused. So what are mm-hmm. some of the, what are some of the pieces that are really valuable? What, what are some of the things that definitely should not be, should not go to waste? Well, the, the most valuable part, probably on, on a large appliance, like a fridge, if you, if you turn around the back of your fridge, you'll see there's like copper piping and tubing that the run the refrigerant system. And that copper has got a high value. It's highly recyclable. Uh, there's aluminum and, and copper in the wiring and stuff like that as well. So, the, you know, that aluminum and the copper is, is very desirable. And even that round compressor that you see on the back of a fridge or, or a freezer, there's like a round black ball um, that's a compressor in there. And that compressor has like valuable metals inside it as well. So even those get recycled. So, And then the whole external body of the fridge, like all the metal and, and the chrome and everything on the outside, that all gets recycled. So... It gets sent to, you know, the local metal recycling industry will uh, separate the different uh, elements and then it'll get sold to uh, foundries where they'll actually melt it down and make new steel out of it. Right. And and we're talking about major appliances and um, the fridge comes up because I guess the fridge is this, everybody kind of has a fridge in their home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and everybody goes to it like multiple <laughs> times a day usually, right? It's the most common one. But I don't want to. I don't want to overemphasize the fridges, though. Like we do, air conditioners, portable air conditioners, uh, the window air conditioners. Um, you know, we do stove hoods in your home, your stove, your washer, and your dryer. You know, typically what what people would call a white good. You know, what you when when you think of the white goods in your home, like you know, almost everybody's got the fridge and the stove, washer, dryer, and a fridge, and then you throw in the other things like air conditioners and and fridges and freezers and things like that, you know, like, and we do water coolers. A lot of people don't know about that. Like your, you know, those, those office water coolers, they actually have a, they have refrigerant gases in them and whatnot as well. So we make sure that those are drained and, and properly disposed of as well. So even that water cooler that you'll buy at a retailer, we'll, we'll take those as well. Yeah, I guess it, the problem is with the smaller things that could actually just get dumped without anybody noticing. Uh, like a yeah. fridge is is big, but so there's probably a few things that th- those are the worrisome things for you. For sure, and that's why uh, you know the our our collection partners and especially our local government collection partners. We have a lot of uh, recycling centers, uh, landfills, and transfer stations that are operated by. Uh, local and regional governments and we work very closely with them and their staff do a great job of making sure that if they see a a water cooler or something like that that does get dumped by a truck they they pull them out and and they make sure they get over to the mar pile so and and you know they we don't nobody wants to see steel and and valuable commodities like that going into the landfill so their staff also look for stuff like that especially stuff with uh, refrigerant in them because you're not allowed to uh you know, there's, there's regulations in place where those refrigerant gases have to be collected. Right. Did, did COVID cause a bit of a setback for recycling? COVID was very interesting. That's a great question, Martin, because 
we, uh, you know, initially when COVID started and everything was locked down, obviously, uh, you know, the, the numbers went down. But very quickly, as everybody, you know, within a couple of months, everybody was home, working from home, canceling vacations and not traveling. So people had disposable income that uh, we, we actually saw an increase, a tremendous increase in the sale of new appliances and, and large increases in, in the return of the large appliances as well. So a lot of people were at home. They were either renovating uh, or cleaning up, you know, like they may, they may have had an old fridge out back or in their garage that wasn't working anymore. So people were at home and, and, and doing things. And, and so COVID was interesting because we saw spikes in, in volumes during COVID. And uh, now that, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic, or most people will say it's over now, um, you know, we're seeing numbers uh, stabilizing again now. So sales are coming back down. And, and uh, But fortunately, and, and the good story on this is our collection numbers are staying up there. Like, I think we're so far this year in 2023, our numbers are are higher than last year. In 2022, they dropped a bit, Martin, because, you know, we had that huge increase because of COVID, but they stabilized in 2022. And then now in 2023, they're going up again, which which is great news. That means people are getting the message and bringing back their old appliances tomorrow. Yeah. Michael Zarbel is the executive director of MAR. It's the Major Appliance Recycling Roundtable. And you can find them online. Uh, they're at marbc.ca. There's two R's in that. But the easiest way to get there is largeapplianterecycling.ca. And you can get all the information you need on uh, what you can recycle and where you can take it. And when we can come back, we're going to talk to Michael about some interesting things they're doing uh, with the more rural areas of the province and getting uh, recycling to become a big part of those communities, which has been a big, big challenge. And uh, we'll also talk about some of the ways you can uh, help out. Some things you might not even know are recyclable. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong and we're talking about recycling and uh, major recycling. The Major Appliance Recycling Roundtable or better known as MAR, uh, and the executive director of MAR, Michael Zarbel, is our guest. And if you are interested in finding out what you can recycle and how you can uh, be part of the solution, just go to largeapplianterecycling.ca. And uh, Michael, we've been talking about the success stories uh, of recycling in the lower mainland and how, you know, things are really looking up. People are really recycling and these good, the, these products and the materials are being reused, which is just awesome. But I'm guessing one of the challenges would be in the more rural parts of the province. Uh, And I guess a lot of things in those areas kind of get thrown away because they're outside of the city. So I I hear that Mar is uh, making some headway into that situation. That's right, Martin. We're very happy and and proud of our record when it comes to helping out remote uh, communities, especially First Nations communities. Uh, We work with uh, organizations like the Indigenous uh, Zero Waste Technical Advisory Group. They've uh, been a really good partner with us, and uh, they bring us in when there's a community that's got a stockpile of uh, large appliances kicking around that haven't been collected for a while. And the challenge with the 
remote communities, especially like some of the island communities. You know, when you think of a place like Bella Bella or Haida Gwaii, where it's, you know, it's extremely expensive to ship material there and to bring material back from there. And, you know, a lot of people will, in those communities, will go and buy an appliance and bring it back in their truck or whatever. But then when the old appliance is no longer working, how do they get it back to a recycling center? And the cost is often prohib- prohibitive because the value of the steel doesn't cover the, you know, you might get 20 bucks for an old fridge. And when it comes to recycling metal value, that doesn't cover the transportation to get it back to um, whether it's Terrace or Prince George or one of the more, you know, central areas up north where we can collect and ship stuff out. So Mar helps facilitate that. And, and we've done some great work in places like Bella Bella. We have a regular collection site there now. And uh, I was just recently this week up in uh, Haida Gwaii, and we're uh, working with a metal recycler out of Prince Rupert and the North Coast Regional District to uh, get an old stockpile of scrap metal out of there. It's like about 15 years since it's been last collected, and the metal recyclers, uh, you know, couldn't make money on collecting it, so there was no incentive for them to go. So what Mar did is we've uh, subsidized the transportation costs so that that scrap metal can get removed from uh, Haida Gwaii. And uh, it's not just the large appliances that, that are being collected. It's all the scrap metal that is there. So it's old car parts, old car rims, uh, you know, and you can imagine there's all kinds of cable, and you, you name it, like there's all kinds of scrap metal there. And uh, yeah. so because Mar had facilitated that transportation, we're getting a beautiful part of our province cleaned up. And so like that, those are the kind of stories I love talking about. Yeah, no kidding, especially Haida Gwaii. Like, what a great example of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, one of the most beautiful spots on Earth and how yeah. you want to keep keep that clean. And and when you talk about this ki- type of recycling and the cost of the recycling versus what mm-hmm. the, the scrap metal brings, it's, it's a really in- interesting mathematical equation. And I guess Mar kind of being sort of an overseer for the whole province, you can kind of um, uh, sort of, sort of uh, weigh things out because in some areas where there's lots of recycling, I'm sure the, the, you get a little bit of money from the materials and that can mm-hmm. go to pay for some of the other areas where it's a little more expensive to recycle. That's right. That's right. And like our, our you know, local governments, like uh, for example, on the Sunshine Coast, if you go to Sunshine Coast, we've got two or three recycling uh, facilities there, but, you know, barging it out of there or ferrying it out of there, the, the cost of the ferry makes it not not uh, economical to go and get that scrap metal. So what we do with all of our collectors, uh, and especially the ones who are in remote areas, if the um, if the cost of transporting is not covered by the sale of the metal, we top them up and make them whole. So if uh, let's say it costs you a hundred dollars a ton to get something collected out of Prince uh, uh, Rupert or Terrace or something, and and they're only giving you 80 bucks a ton for the steel. We'll top them up and give them that $20 a ton difference. And, you know, so we, we kind of make sure that all of our collectors don't lose money uh, being part of our program. And that's, that's what you're the things that you're, you know, your recycling fee that you pay when you buy a new fridge or a stove or dishwasher, you're paying a small recycling fee. And, and I emphasize small because we're very, very proud that our, how we've been able to keep our, our fees low in the province of BC and uh, so, you know, those fees go towards partially towards uh, uh, paying to remove the 
the refrigerant gases, paying the you know the the time and labor that goes into collecting them and storing them and shipping them, and also making sure that remote areas aren't losing money when they're collecting large appliances. If they're losing money, no one's going to do it. That's the reality, right? Right, right. Michael Zarbel is the executive director of MAR, Major Appliance Recycling Roundtable. The website, if you're interested in uh, finding a location, is largeappliancerecycling.ca. And, and let's talk about the, the, the whole collection network that you have. And also, you were talking about fees. And for the most mm-hmm. part, I think, I think generally, the fees are up front when people buy the appliance. But it's generally no cost to drop things off, right? That's right. There's absolutely no cost. So in in the past, before MAR existed, you'd have to pay like 20 bucks or something to drop off a fridge because the local government people or the metal recyclers, they they had to go and drain the refrigerant and and all that. And so they would charge for it. And that often um, dissuaded people from dropping off a large appliance because they didn't want to pay the fee. So that's the nice thing about MAR We've uh, come in and we've standardized that fee. It's like it's only six dollars and fifty cents for a refrigerated appliance, and so that's like really, really low. Um, and we're able to do that because we use the market value of that steel to subsidize our our supply chain and our costs. And you know, because our product has a value at the end of life, we were able to subsidize our costs and keep our costs low and keep the fees low to the consumers. And and so it's a you know, that way nobody has to pay to bring one to a MARA collection site anymore. Like, we've, we've done that. It's a great, uh, you know, great thing for the uh, consumer in BC. You're paying a small fee up front rather than paying a large fee at the end of the life. Right. And for people looking for a collection site, as I say, largeappliancerecycling.ca. Um, so tell us about the network. This is a pretty big network. So if you, chances are, uh, if you're in the lower mainland, there is a drop-off location near you, right? That's correct. We have over 200 sites across the province of BC and, you know, the lower mainland, Victoria, and any part of the island, really Campbell river, you can go up North, you know, Prince George, Terrace, Prince Rupert. We've got uh, the Okanagan, we've got sites everywhere. In fact, uh, 95% of the BC population, or more than 95% of the BC population, have a MAR facility within 20 kilometers. Uh, so we we actually plot all our sites out on a map, and and then we draw like these 20 kilometer circles around them, and and see how much based on the the census data, how how much of the population has is within 20k of a site, and it's over 95% of the population have a site within 20k which is basically a, a short drive at the at the very most and um you know so we have accessibility which we're which is great and like i mentioned if you're outside that 20 kilometer radius uh in a remote community we work with your with your first nation government your local government to make sure that we do uh drop off events we do collection events where you know we'll let everybody in the community know that they can show up on you know, Saturday, July 1st or whatever the date is. And, and there'll be a truck there collecting all the large appliances that day. And, and then we work with the uh, transportation companies to get it hauled out of there. So if you don't have a MAR facility within a reasonable drive from your home, you can definitely take part in one of our collection events through your local government or other uh, agencies. 
Right. So I guess a lot of people uh, have appliances like fridges in their garage. Because usually when you buy a new fridge, the company will come and take the old one away. So that's not that much of a problem and that gets recycled. But I guess there's a lot of appliances that people have you know, sitting in the garage or something, they had a, a deep freezer in the basement that's not working and they just unplugged it and it's just been sitting there for years. And I guess those are the kind of people you'd like to connect with too, right? Yeah, we want, we definitely want people to bring them back. If, uh, you know, a lot of people will, will get a new appliance and sometimes they put the old one in the garage as a beer fridge or something and that's okay. But when the beer fridge dies, bring it back to a Mars site and, and, you know, it'll get properly recycled and, so, you know, or, or donate it if it's still working, you know, uh, give it away uh, to a relative. We kind of, we don't, we don't mind people doing that. That's actually better for the environment uh, if it's still working to keep using it. Um, but when they do stop working, that's the, the best time to bring them to us. And we'll make sure that we take care of it from there. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you, if you don't have a truck or something to bring it to a Mars site, then, you know, there's also, uh, metal recyclers out there that'll often come get it at your house for free and they'll just take it away because they'll 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 grab it in their truck and they'll uh, sell it to a metal recycler and they'll get like like 20 bucks for it or something so there's there are guys out there that actually do that for a living we call them metal peddlers i think is the term that the industry uses so um you know if you can't do it yourself then try calling uh, one of these metal recyclers and they'll uh they'll come get it from you and I guess that's all information people can find on largeapplianceRecycling.ca. And uh, I mean, this is kind of a broad question, but what's what's one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about recycling and their appliances? I think the biggest re- misconception for recycling in general is that stuff doesn't actually get recycled. And you know, that's one of the things that I can assure you, you know, that we do recycle it and, and it does get turned into new metal and that, uh, you know, the recycling industry works. There's obviously there's certain things that are easier to recycle than others. And, and uh, you know, there's some products, let's say, that don't get recycled. But I can tell you that anything that falls under a producer responsibility organization uh, uh their responsibility it gets recycled like you know we're we're obligated by the recycling regulation to manage the end of life of the appliances just like there's people that do small appliances and electronics and tvs and and even the packaging that you put in your blue box it, it all gets recycled and there's these stories that get out there that uh, you know the that that it's not happening that it's going to the landfill and from my experience having having worked for recycle bc and and, and working closely with all the other stewardship agencies in BC, I can, I can assure you that, uh, you know, we are recycling this stuff. And if that's one message I can get out to people is bring it back to a recycling facility and it will get recycled. And that's not just for the large appliances, but for all the stuff that's uh, managed by uh, stewardship agencies in BC. Well, that's great to know. Uh, the website, once again, is largeapplianserecycling.ca. And uh, also marbc.ca. Uh, Mar is the major appliance recycling roundtable. We've been talking to Michael Zarbel, the executive director of Mar. Michael, keep up the good work. It's always great to talk to you. Thanks, Martin. And thanks for having us on. And any, any opportunity we get to spread the message, it's great for us. So thank you again. Hey, thanks, Michael. Uh, coming up right. on Vancouver Consumer, it's another night of fireworks at English Bay tonight.
It's a look at that and some new fireworks, which aren't really fireworks, but they're pretty much silent. They don't need fire and they still look pretty cool. Are you ready for drone fireworks displays? That's next when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. It's the last night of the Celebration of Light Fireworks show at English Bay tonight. By the time it's all over, they figure about 1.3 million people would have made their way to the beach to enjoy the festival over the three nights that they've had. Australia was the first to perform. That was last Saturday. Mexico went Wednesday night. And for tonight's final, it's the Philippines starting around 10 p.m. It takes about three days to get a fireworks show like this ready. And that's with the help of some veteran pyrotechnicians. The winning team out of the three displayed will be announced this Tuesday. Road closures in the West End will be in effect again tonight, and organizers are saying, as always, the best thing to do is to head to Vancouver's West End earlier in the day, like like now, to snag your spots and leave the car at home. Some people who are there now for tonight's show got there early this morning. And while a lot of people love their fireworks, especially on a summer weekend like this one, there are critics. I mean, fireworks do make a lot of noise. They create smoke. A lot of pets are terrified of them. Every year, dogs and cats go missing because they get scared and take off. And of course, there's the concern of fire. Not much in the city, but in more rural areas, the idea of having a fireworks display is just a non-starter, thanks to the threats of wildfires. But there is an alternative. Drone light shows instead of fireworks. It's a performance by hundreds of drones which light up the sky and fly in unison or in any way you program them to. They're much quieter, environmentally friendly, and are much more animal friendly as well. For example, last June at this year's annual Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival at Mataoki Farm in Ottawa, organizers decided to give the drones a try. They've had problems with horses on the farm getting spooked by fireworks in the past. Plus, there's the threat of a spark causing a wildfire. So, dozens of drones flew into the sky, formed constellations that told a very specific creation story that was voiced by an elder in the community. And while drone light shows kind of lack the that kind of sudden flash and bang that fireworks bring. They're, they'll never replace fireworks, but they do have their own style since you can really choreograph how the drones fly and what images they create in the sky. You can get really specific. A one person at the Mataoki farm described it as seeing beadwork appearing in the sky. And the drone business is booming, which is great for Anugra Patel, who started Drone Light Show Canada in late 2020. It's based out of Manitoba. And Patel's company uses the climate angle to market their business. Their slogan is zero pollution, clean solution. Patel says uh, his company has been really busy all summer and was booked for events across the country this past Canada Day, with some shows using upwards of 200 drones. But here in Vancouver tonight, the oohs and ahs will be the old-fashioned type as the fireworks get started around 10 p.m. in the West End. And as I say, get there early 
if you want to get a good spot on the beach. I'm Martin Strong. It's still to come. How do the Canadian airlines compare to American ones when it comes to being on time? Unfortunately, not so good. I've got that story and all the big consumer news of the week when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.